The following podcast contains strong language. Welcome back to the Cine Rambles podcast. You're listening to Nick and Andrew. And we're here with your fortnightly fix of film-related ramblings, as always. And hopefully you can hear us okay. (laughs) Hopefully. Um, Not that my internet connection is any lesser than last fortnight. Nearly said last week, but that'd be very hopeful. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, not quite that regular. No. Well, hang on, hang on. It's it's regular. It's just not that frequent. True. Oh, you've got me there. <laughs> pedantic process strikes again. Oh, he's very pedantic. Mm. Right. Well, before we get on to our main topics of the week, I'm going to quickly open the show with a recommendation. Um, going back to Field of Screams. Not Field of Screams. No, the other one. The Field other of one. Dreams. That's the one. <laughs> if you build it, they will Yeah, come. if you build it, they will come. We thought it was a great idea to name two segments basically the same thing. Uh, I don't know. Those stream terms, Nick. Oh yeah, stream terms. Sorry, we're stream terms now. That's yep. the official thing. That's definitely not a dead meme at all. Mm-mm. I think that was dead when we came up with that for the, Shut for, up. For the segment. A meme can it? never anyway, die. Yeah. It's the best. <laughs> right, anyway, stream terms. Um, so, there is a new Netflix show uh, called Lupin. Lupin. I think it's right. Lupin. I, think... <laughs> it's Lupin. Lupin. It's, it's I thought Francais, it was called so Lupin. Lupin, just because I didn't realise it was French. Yeah, no, no, it's um I think it's French rather than Belgium. Knees. Belgium Bel Belge. Whatever, it's French. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh yeah, so this is on Netflix. It's a, it's so it's currently five episodes, although I think there's another five coming soon. So sort of labeled part one. Okay. Um, but so this is a, it's a new drama with Omar Sy of um, Untouchable. You'll know him from. He is in other stuff as well. He is. He's quite. He's quite a prolific French actor, actually. I think. Yeah. I now can't think of any. He's been, he's been in, in other some things. Hollywood things quite recently as well. I think. Oh yeah, he was. Can you remember what it was? No. <laughs> no. Oh, well. Oh, he was in Call of the Wild. Oh, yes, he was. Yes, because I remember we recognised him. Yeah. Oh, any, anyone who likes things like Ocean's Eleven or um, like sort of the last sort of half of Science of the Lambs, anyone who likes that kind of satisfaction, like, oh, that was clever, it's full of those. Every episode has some kind of sort of element of that in it. Uh, apparently um, the audio dropped out and I don't know when it dropped out but it's back now so oh. i'm gonna summarize what, i'm gonna summarize what nick said uh just very oh. briefly <laughs> well um, you've not even seen it <laughs> no i haven't um it's uh, got, you'd like it it's got um he was he was in the jurassic world Omar yes i oh, was he in jurassic world? he was he was called was he was called barry <laughs> so it's got <laughs> great okay it's got barry from jurassic world um not Barry from Barry. That's no, no, no. <laughs> well, you might easily confused. It's got Barry from Jurassic World in it, uh, and Barry um, goes around France. Yes, yes. Paris, Paris, Paris. Uh, yeah, and he nicks stuff uh, in heist-like fashion every day. Doesn't things. Uh, that's in that's kind of a genius of it. Well, yeah, he's 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 basically trying to avenge uh, his father's wrongful imprisonment. Um, it's 
but yeah it's so every yeah so the, the great thing is that all the heists they aren't all necessarily like thefts but for example um there's like a prison break he does in one of the episodes um not like everyone but just him getting out of prison right which is you get a sort of really like sort of a, a little heisty kind of um sort of subterfuge sleight of handy kind of thing it's very it's okay. it's very good sort of um now you see me esque yeah but better okay you know more ground but yeah no it's it's um i'm really enjoying it i'm three three episodes in yeah three episodes in um watching it with my dad i'd highly recommend it to anyone who wants that kind of thing cool and i think you'd like it as well andy you should yeah, watch yeah. it <laughs> i mean i might give it a go i was tempted to watch it the other day but i decided to watch narcos instead <laughs> Oh, okay. Is that good? It's very, very, very good. Yeah, but it's, yeah, nice. It has this thing. It's it's amazing. Um, more for what it's depicting, like because it's based on this true story, and the story itself is insane. Just absolutely insane. Like just, I mean, I want to say unbelievable. They literally have this thing at the beginning, like um. Can't remember the term. It's like dreamlike reality or dream reality or something. It's like um, when something is so so unbelievable, you just literally cannot. It it couldn't have happened in real life, you know, or it feels like it couldn't have happened yeah. in real life because of the. It's so ridiculous, and it's like that just happened in Colombia in the eighties. So this is about Pablo Escobar. Yeah, is it that kind of? Yeah. yeah. So it's centers around Pablo Escobar and the some of the other um of this, the like members of his cartel um and then on mm-hmm. the flip side it's a D- DEA agent called Walker maybe and his he everywhere. yes and his partner who is uh the Mandalorian I can't remember his name Pedro Pascal. Yes, Pedro Pascal. Um, and it's so it's about those two. Uh, so Walker is like this, you know. Uh, I think he's he started his career in Florida, you know, doing um, weed busts, and then he like moves to Colombia because he's assigned to this the you know cartel case, and it's sort of you know about his descent into the culture and trying to stop this, but you know the insanity that was Pablo Escobar and the cartel is is just it's insane but also the amount of money they made is mad yeah it's some of the it's not really spoilers because it happened in real life um but you know I think in the second yeah but in the uh, second episode it says like you know they were they were shipping enough cocaine to the the US and around the or that whole continent that they were making five billion dollars a year that was a crazy it, it, that's why he had like a like massive palette of like tigers in yeah there. He, he built his own prison <laughs> when he was arrested uh for for real he was charged with this isn't this we haven't seen this bit in the show i just know this happened in real life um yeah when he was arrested because obviously he bought every single official ever, <laughs> you know, every every yeah. policeman, every yeah, the princess. He had everyone in his pocket. They for Big these pockets. really like serious crimes, they charged him five years, um, 
and they let him build his own prison, which was literally a, it was like a villa, uh, you know, had a swimming pool and he basically, he wasn't allowed to leave the premises, but the premises was like 300 acres or something insane, you know? Yeah. So he always get around. Yeah. And, but also, you know, all of his men that were also like arrested for murdering people and shooting people just came to stay in his prison because it was a, you know, a mansion. (laughs) And it, it was, it's just mad. Um, but yeah, the show's really, really good. I strongly recommend. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the many on my list. Yeah. Anyway, that's some recommendations. Yeah, bit of field of streams. Not yeah. done that for a little. There you go. Um, yeah. I want to. So... I want to recommend one more thing quickly. Oh yeah, no, go for it. Um, I only just started watching it today, but I thought it was pretty good, and I think it might be worth a look in um it was called i am a killer yes uh, and it is a documentary oh, series it. on netflix where they interview death row uh criminals who you know have they're on death row so they you know they have x amount of time to live and they're just interviewing them about their life the crime they committed um the sentencing you know if they how they've been treated what how they feel about the crime now that they've been put on and they know they're going to die um it's it's very very harrowing <laughs> but it's that's very, what you like about their work <laughs> yeah but it's uh yeah it's, it's very interesting it's very good uh to see but also you, you get to see like the mindset behind these criminals uh, and I just think it's very interesting to see, behi- you know, behind the curtain in a way. Because it's very easy to just stamp everyone as, oh, you know, he he's a murderer, so... You, you, you know, he's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas... Yeah. He, in the case, he oh, explains why he... In the first episode, he explains why he's... Imp- like, he explained his the crime from his point of view... So he, um, firstly, he was like, oh, you know, I was brought up in a very abusive household and my dad would beat every single woman I've ever known, you know, all of his stepmothers and et cetera. And he um, saw this every single time. And he was like, if we had had a gun in the house, I would have killed my dad to, to try and save those women. You know, and then he left home and then started drinking himself because, you know, he was a bit of a waster. And then he started taking drugs. Um, and then the reason he was in prison was because he um, he went to a, you know, like a drug den to buy some meth or something. And he shot the meth dealer because the meth dealer mm-hmm. tried to start a fight on him. So it's more like a self-defense. Not really self-defense. He was like... Well, you know, they were arguing before, so... But he he was like... I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like he knew that he would either... He would either shoot and kill the man who was he, he was in a fight with, or he would have been, you know, beaten to death or whatever, or killed himself. Yeah. Um, and the, so he was charged then, and then... 
to make matters worse, he then beat someone to death in prison. Um, <laughs> but we'll move on from that. <laughs> but it was just very interesting to see how he started with relatively, or, you know, not good intentions per se, but um, at least some sort of moral compass that just slowly got worn away by constant exposure to drugs and violence. I just yeah. thought it was very interesting. You never get to hear about that side of the coin. You know, I mean, Death Row is a sort of, it's a very unique kind of um, position to be in, to be like told, you know, you are going to be executed, but you're going to wait for it, but it will definitely happen. So just having to sit there stewing in it. It's, very, like, it's weird that they don't sort of, I guess it's probably quite immoral to say, oh, by the way, we're going to, you know, execute you uh, today, actually, in a couple of minutes, so <laughs> let's go. Um, but I think it's a lot worse when they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to have five years in prison, and then we're going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I think if you know, if you, if, I, if I'm going to be executed, I'll have it done, like, as soon as possible kind of thing. Well, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it, why they don't. I think it's just bureaucracy, isn't it? Just, like, they can't just go and kill it. They've got a film paper yeah. and join I suppose they also got to yeah, potentially yeah, wait for right. new evidence as well. I would, I would guess. Possibly, I suppose it depends on the case. Have you seen? Um... Oh my god! Oh, what's that film called? The Chamber. Is it called the Chamber? No, I haven't. it's a Matt Damon film. It's called that. Oh yeah, we're back. Yeah. Okay, well I'm that back. feels okay. good. I don't know what's happening and why we keep dropping out. Um, uh, well, anyway, um, so uh, we have back to the plot. Uh, Ashley Tucker, who has been cursed from having to deal with uh, sort of a corrupted animal at his own giant home. boar. Uh, yeah, has lots of worms uh, coming out of his everything. Yeah, he he arrives sort of on the scene in Medias Res. Um, yes, it's very very breakneck opening. Um, yeah, which you know I'm um, fine with. It was just I wasn't expecting. There was, I don't know why, and I I shouldn't have been doing this, but because it's Studio Ghibli, and I know they're sort of very, I don't know they they're not really kids movies, are they? But they're more. Mm, they're family films in the yeah. correct sense in that they they work for all ages for varying levels. Okay, but I, I know, was I was expecting it yeah. to be more. I don't I don't know why. Obviously, I've never seen any other Studio Ghibli films, but I was expecting this is, basically this is one of the more adult ones. Yeah, I was either. expecting Japanese Disney basically. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> No. Which I understand now, but I was expecting, you know, that sort of very, um, the way Disney films sort of very ease you into it. They establish the characters, then they establish the plot, and then, you know, it rolls forward in a very um, easy to understand way. Um, whereas this was like, oh yeah, here's a guy, oh fuck, there's a giant boar, and oh great, he's been bitten by the boar, and oh okay, the boar's dead now. <laughs> And then they speak to the wise woman. The wise woman's like, yeah, you're fucked, mate. See you later. <laughs> no, we don't want to see you again. Leave this town. For... Thanks, for, thanks for saving everyone. Now fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically the opening. Um, I tell you what, I did find very interesting. 
which I yeah. uh, I only found out when I was looking it up to uh, today. It was adapted f- uh, to English by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, what the um the dub or yeah the dub. Ah, or at least one of the dubs. I don't know how many there are, but it just said on. Um, uh imdb it was like adapted for english by neil gaiman which i think is interesting it's quite it's a very uh gaiman-esque story in a way i haven't read much gaiman so i can't confirm or deny that but sure well <laughs> it is very gaiman-esque story in a way <laughs> ah um well should we get to the the character then did you like princess mononoke um so it had the classic case of the knicks uh, in that right. Nick before I, tried I watched it, declared that it was one of the best films he's ever seen and up there in his top ranking of uh, his his greatest films of all time, which of course like every single film Nick suggests to me, puts it on a pedestal that when I then watch the film it doesn't quite reach I, was, I, I wasn't expecting you to watch it is my defence <laughs> but I'm not, I mean that wasn't hyperbole like I, I, I think not the last time, but the time before I rewatched it, I sort of just realised I liked it more than so many other films. Like, there's sort of so much to it I liked. How many? So, you know, if I how, how many times, many I watched times it, have like... you seen it before you realised that? Uh two, maybe three. No, well, I've only logged it three times on Letterboxd. Okay, so maybe it was the second. Because I, it was like. So when I, the more I talked to people about it, the more I realised, like everything about it worked, right. and I, I sort of couldn't. If I, I tried ranking my favourite films a while ago, and I couldn't think of really anything that I thought was a better film. So it's all just sat there. It's, it's. I've currently got it number two on Letterboxd. Okay, but I mean, I this, it, it's absolutely love this film. So, and it sounds like you don't. <laughs> I thought it was it, it had some very very good points. The animation is very good. Um the story I felt was frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. In the about that there was no retribution. Uh um, who? For the bad guys. <laughs> um Well no, but I don't think that's really no, but that's I not really Miyazaki. Was... Well, no, okay, I suppose, but I don't know. The it was just. I mean, the retribution is that a lot of their men died in the climax, and they sort of but... learnt their lesson. In... But well, not the it. not the right one. <laughs> you know, the bloke with the weird nose. Yeah, well, he's sort of a lost cause, though. He's sort of, you know. The representation of the foolishness of the human race. Yeah, I don't know. I, it was okay. I thought it was fine. Um, I just thought it was very. Uh, and, and this might be a Studio Ghibli thing. It was very muted. Um, and again, this might be the dub as well. But all of the just the deliveries of the lines was very felt very like cold and emotionless. Also, this is definitely a dub thing. But whoever voices. Whatever her fucking name is. Princess Mononoke. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but they call her something else. They call her Princess Mononoke okay once. She has got an actual name. And then she's never referred to it again. No. 
Well, so the title, as a, as a side note, it's supposed to... So the, the original Japanese is Mononoke Him, which means um, forest princess, basically. And then they translated to English and like, right, well, Him means princess. Mononoke? Don't know. Let's not look at a Japanese dictionary. Let's just leave it as, as it is. Okay. <laughs> right. Great. <laughs> so it's, it baffles me that they didn't even think to translate it. It's, it's, so it's there. That's why it's called Princess Mononoke. It should be like Forest yeah. Princess. So is she supposed to be like a, a child or, a, you know, like a teenager? Yeah. See, I know you're going this because the voice actress sounds way too old. Considering yeah, I she think sounds she's like a 50-year-old woman. Uh, and... Yeah, she's supposed <laughs> like 15, I think, or 16, yeah. maybe. But, yeah, no, I know what you mean about that. See, I thought... See, normally, the, so basically, like, in the early 2000s, I think it was... Um, Miyazaki made a deal with Disney that they basically help handle the Western releasing of um, Ghibli's catalogue. And at that time, they made, they commissioned a load of dubs. Okay. And the Disney dubs are, for the most part, fantastic. Like, they're some of the best anime dubs there are, like, okay. credit where it's due. The Mononoke one's interesting, because I didn't think it was that bad until you pointed it out. Then I went back and listened to it, and you're right. It is, it is more stilted than other ones that I remember. It's just, you know... I'd, I'd like to describe it as stoic. But, yeah, yeah, it's very no. yeah, <laughs> like stoic. It feels just very withdrawn in a way, especially the main character. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Ashitaka. Ashitaka. He is stoic though by nature. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of things. You know, he's literally, he's you know in the, in a fight or he's having an emotional moment, and his his tone just remains exactly the same at all points. Um. Yeah, and obviously that's not not really the film's fault as the the dubs. So yeah, I've never um, actually seen a film with subtitles. So that'd be an interesting thing to compare. Yeah, what I thought was weird was, and I think this is probably the point of it was that n- no one was other than the weird little fat man on his stills. Yeah, and uh, no one was inherently that you know in the wrong or bad if you know what i mean even see this go on oh. i was gonna well this is leading up to what i think is the best thing about princess mononoke is is it's an absolute masterclass in terms of morality and storytelling yeah because there are no bad people besides weird nose person who's sort of his own thing but in terms of like factions there's no bad and good like even Lady Boja, who is the antagonist, isn't a bad person as such. She's just trying to do what's best for her village, and she's sort of misguided. Yeah. This is sort of the, the ultimate thing of all of this is that you know everyone there, there's no like clear good or evil in this world, like there isn't in our world. It, it's all shades of sort of grey of morality of what people think is best, what works for them, what they want to have to do to survive. Yeah, and I like that. You know, there's, there's a there's a great line at one point. I mean, the line itself isn't great. It's like oh. um Mononoke shouts at uh, Ashitaka, like, whose side are you on? Right near the end, it's like, and I, he goes, like, I'm not on anyone's side. Because there are, you know, the whole thing about taking sides is sort of detrimental to the point, especially when it comes to something like the environment. Yeah. You know, it's not about sides. It's about we've got to work together. We can't have these divisions and just clear camps of, you know, good and bad, right and wrong. Yeah. Um, but I really like that sort of element to it, you know, because the way it's structured as well with Ashitaka is this third party who comes in in media stress and sees the sort of the conflict going on 
you know, he, he goes to Iron Town, he sees what's there, and he sees their side of things. And then he goes off with um, Mononoke and sees the forest and the wolves and their side of things. Yeah. So there's balance to it all. Um, I, I really like in it. And like, that's one of the big driving uh, forces behind it. Yeah, I can see that. I just think, uh, yeah. I think, um, again, I, I, don't, I can't help but compare it to... I don't know, like to to, to Disney films, but I was also just to other films. It reminded me of um, James Cameron's Avatar, you know, in some Avatar, yeah. in some ways, yeah, it, just in that man versus nature sort of of way. I was I was just thinking about that actually because that that's a good example of how Monique, uh, what I was talking about just now with morality. It's like in Avatar. Uh, James Cameron's Avatar, not it's, your normal Avatar. No. Um, it's very black you know, and white, isn't it? Yeah, the, the humans are evil. They're going to destroy the tree because they want money. They, they're going to destroy everything because they want money. And the, the, the aliens are good because it's their tree and it's their life. Yeah. But Mark is not like that. It's like, well, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to clear the forest because we need the industry to survive to get that, you know, we this is how our city needs to thrive. The, the forest is interfering with it. And on the other hand, the yeah. forest is like, well, your activity is interfering with our stuff. It's not, you know, no one's right or wrong. Everyone's just got their own thing they're trying to do. And it's it's shown as that. Yeah. Also, it's sort of, it's like, um, they also sort of need the iron to defend themselves, don't they? Yeah. Because there's the, the emperor and the other Japanese, um, the samurai who are coming to, you know, we see them early on in the film as well, like, murdering a different village and it's like yeah this emperor is this looming threat um and you know so there's that sort of um the lady wherever her name is eboshi eboshi she's just trying to not only she's trying to protect her people but also you know thrive as well i thought that was interesting um all i was gonna say about it's had a very strange lack of music and I don't know if this is a Ghibli thing again because I haven't seen any other things but there were moments when it was like and this was what really made me feel like it was very like uh, stilted and, and muted in some points was um, a, a lot of times in an equivalent thing you know from a different studio there would be emotional music that would be pushing you to feel a certain way um you know when he lo- looks out across the forest you know there'd be like oh this magical music to see oh you know look how amazing the forest is or there'd be something else you know when he's having dinner with all the people there'd be like you know nice happy jolly music to say oh you know yeah. so you can see the positives of both and there just wasn't that at all and it, it made it feel very withdrawn and i, I see, noticed I... this distinct lack of music when he's like he's saying he feels this certain way about things but we can't connect him as much because without the this the music i don't know i did music isn't that important but obviously it is because it, it gives you a lot of um emotional nudges in the right direction see it's interesting that you come from, to that conclusion from it because i so stuff like you know we have these majestic views of him looking out of him there's no music i like that because it's 
the view speaks for itself, and the animation in this film is absolutely yeah. jaw-droppingly beautiful. And I think that's sort of, I feel that's a lot of Miyazaki's philosophy. Is sort of like, you know, there and there, there is music in this and in other Ghibli films, but a lot of it's quite understated or sort of infrequent. But I think a lot of the time he sort of just lets things speak for themselves and their emotion. Mm. And I think, um, and going back to Evangelion, which we haven't gone to yet anyway, but um, going forward, but like <laughs> that as well has a sort of sometimes forgoes music and sort of the the lack of music sometimes sort of lets you sort of really focus on what's really going on emotionally in the scene and sort yeah. of narrowing it down. But I think in Evangelion, emotion and emotional turmoil and, you know, the mental happenings of characters are a lot more in you know substantial and more important to the plot in particular um yeah to the point where when there is a lack of music it's a lot more significant where it's like for example the the, the train scene you know, yeah so you know we've just had these big battles where there's really tense music going on and they you know they've got these musical stings for different characters and, and other things and then just to have that like three minute long silence um was very stand out and was like oh shit you know this is a very significant emotional choice and you know moment for this character whereas the consistent lack of music made me feel like I don't know, it, it just wasn't, it didn't gel, or, you know, it didn't make me feel the way that it didn't provoke my emotions the same way that Evangelion did. No, well, Evangelion is a very emotionally driven show anyway. Like, it's a very sort of um, internal narrative. That's probably not the right way to describe it. But I know what I mean. Um, but I mean, so what you're talking about there, like with the train station scene, that's the sort of a like punctuating silence. Um, yes. Which isn't that's like the extreme example of what I'm talking about. Like I mean, Monolake is again like it's just sort of a more subtle approach to it. But I think it's it's more like you know it's it's oh this is the moment you want to be sad, we'll put sad music on. Now you are sad. Oh this you need to be happy, we'll put happy music on. Well, Monolake is more, you know. Feel, feel the emotion you want to feel we will present the scene to you as it is and you, you know you will feel honestly I found it. myself not <laughs> and this sounds pretty bad but I just found myself not caring as much I feel um, you, you know if you compare that to I don't know Lord of the Rings um, mm. you know, when they're, when they're walking, you know, through the forest and you see these amazing views and you get this very, very incredible score, um, that really, really, and I mean, this is safe because the, the music in Lord of the Rings is particularly excellent, but it really pushes you to feel the right thing. You know, you get that amazing sense of adventure when they're walking through the forest or you get the sense of dread and the sense of doom or the sense of pride from the armies or, or the courage the hope you know um and, and it really gets you right in the feels with the music you know yeah um, i mean that's that is absolutely true but i don't know is what the marriage is about yeah I mean, it, it's serviceable i just feel like a, I don't know i don't know why the, the music is is so important to me it just feels like um without it i i don't know if they added a score 
I mean, I don't know. I, don't know. I, d- I feel like I'm being, um, I don't know, weird about it. I just feel like it would have know. impacted me more had there been a, a nice score to accompany it. Which is pretty composed one. Yeah, and you know what? Of the, music was, of the music that was there, did you like it? Because there are some nice. Yeah. I think it's an overture to it. Yeah, and they have some. They do have music in like some of the tense moments, with like the, uh, the boar. I tell you what, I could not stop thinking of. You know when there's like yeah. there's an army of, the, uh, boars. <laughs> All I could think of was the thirty feral pigs, tweet. <laughs> <laughs> the thirty or fifty feral boars. Yeah. <laughs> or feral. Because you know that woman, she's like making guns ready, and she's like, "Oh, I really need these guns. They're very, very important." And then there's this army of pigs. And I was like, "Oh, she needs those guns for the for the thirty feral pigs that can appear on her borders at any moment." Oh my god, you ruined it. <laughs> and then that's oh. all I could think of through that whole scene. That's another thing, was, you know, that bit should yeah. be really emotional. You're literally seeing, like, this whole, you know, swathes of, of, of the boars and the people, like, die. Yeah. Um, And it was just a much more emotionally detached than I feel like it could have been. I don't know. Uh... I do, well, I do um, admire that, you know, letting you feel your whatever you want to feel rather than manipulating you through music. But uh, it just left me feeling a bit unsatisfied by it. Well, so another thing I, I really like about Monoloke is um, there's the, the sort of the world building of it I really enjoy. I like how there's sort of all these different elements in the forest. Yeah, so that that's very... Sort of... That aspect is very... Um, gaming-esque yeah so i like one of my it's weird it's one of my favorite scenes because it's a very sort of small scene um but just after ashitaka rescues mononoke from iron town and he sort of collapsed and the um d8 people appear oh yeah uh i I, there's something about because they're so there's something so mysterious about them they don't really come back again and they're not really explained this these sort of these dark shadowy figures with the red glowing eye and have this sort of low droning voice and it's something something about that sort of signifies like this deeper world beyond what we can really sort of comprehend that sort of just you barely what, scratched that you were right yeah. though the uh the forest spirit does look very 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 derpy <laughs> oh yeah the forest god yeah He's... what is that about it's... yeah oh my god his face came out and i was like what <laughs> he just looks yeah. so fucking dumb <laughs> It's it just does. weird, like, why didn't they just give him, like, a normal, just, I don't know, like, an exaggerated deer face, rather than, like, a really, f- it wasn't human at all, it was just, like, a, a deer face, but squished. It was just yeah. <laughs> so weird. Right, we've been oh. banging on about this for ages, do we want to... Hey, hey, hey. Oh, okay. I want to mention, you know the forest spirits, the little, um... Oh, yeah, the little ones, yeah. Oh, I the... Koroks, but that's Zelda, isn't it? They're so goddamn cute. When they oh, do the weird head thing. Yeah, no, it's like, 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 like,
Um, there's things like you know, it's it's things like this. There's the wolf tribe. There's the pigs. There's all these all these different elements to it. Of it, it's yeah. like it's real big breathing world like you said like there's the whole empire on the horizon yeah you know there's a real sense of scale of like there are there are things ticking away that we don't see behind the scenes and this is you know this isn't just like a a, a stage as it were this is like a full-on world that has its own yes. rhythms to it i really love that element that's one of my favorite elements of the film okay let's move on okay because we've got so, 17 okay, yeah. minutes in which to discuss um, Hang on, before we move on, what oh, what do you okay. think we should talk about next week then? When we get oh, well, next time we do Andrew's film education, I will watch Spirited Away. Okay, we're doing this in the wrong. That's the one thing I I would say I would not have started you on Princess Mononoke. Okay. I think it's sort of I'm not say advanced Miyazaki, but I feel like it's certainly not the first introduction. Right. I mean, but, yeah, now we'll do Spirited Away next time. Um, yeah. yeah. Because as much as I, I slagged off Princess Bride and okay, it was very easy to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah, no point was I like, oh, you know, this is dragging on, this is really boring. You know, yeah, it was it was well paced and I thought, you know, it was very watchable. I've, you know, I watched it in two halves, but yeah, it was good. It was good. That's good old pure animation as well. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. okay. Speaking of pure, pure animation... Evangelion. Hey! Uh, which we finished about two weeks ago, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Neon Genesis, um, Genesis Evangelion. Um, the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. But you like it. I do like it. Surprisingly. Which I'm very surprised at. I, I thought I was going to lose a friend after I showed you this. Why? <laughs> I thought you were like, Nick... It's been ten years, but you weirded me out. <laughs> just, just, just stop. Um, I, I don't understand it. No, I don't Neither know. Do if I. I don't know if you're supposed to understand it. To be honest, no. Well, no. I see. This is an interesting point because I feel like it's a cheap way out of being like, "Oh, you're not supposed to understand it, man." Because well, also, yeah, okay. it would be quite nice if you understand the story. But having said that, um, I do think there is an element of, like, it's not supposed to make sense. In yeah. that this is a story specifically about Shinji and his trauma and his development. And Shinji is and, 14? 15? Yeah. And so it's like, the, you know, this giant, like, Lovecraftian sort of, like, you know, end of the human race and dealing with sort of the elder gods. Is beyond the scope of his comprehension, just as it's beyond the, yeah. the scope of ours. Which is a I, very, very good way of reading it. Um, yeah, because I don't know how deliberate that is, but that's yeah. how I've been interpreting it. <laughs> the other thing about what you said about it is cheap. Um, you know, it's very disappointing just to say, "Oh, you're not supposed to understand it." I yeah. would agree with that, right? If there was any mm. possible way of understanding it at all without reading the fucking wiki page. Yes, that is true. It's it's weird that there are, you know, even on the basic level of what's going on, especially in the the end of Evangelion, the, the theatrical. So, film are we ending. doing spoilers? Should we give a spoiler warning? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, if anyone hasn't seen Evangelion, we are going to start talking about basically everything. So, yeah, if that's something that interests you, uh, feel free to skip on to another episode because <laughs> we'll probably talk about. It. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, well, yeah. So no restraint on spoilers for now. We can talk all, all areas accessed. That's not the phrase. All, all access pass. Whatever. Let's go. <laughs> I really like um, the first like eighteen episodes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then so I'll... that's line eighteen. Wait, which eighteen? The point where it started is, to um... lose me was when he fully connected with the uh, Ava one and disappeared into oh, and the, gets lost. Into yeah, the that's twenty. That's that's so, so also that's the point it... I would. That's where I used to draw it as well. This yeah. is, so this is common. I feel the, so the first time I watched it when I was like sixteen, I was like, oh, I like the first few episodes where it's like a mech anime, and then when it gets really weird, it's rubbish. And then the more I've watched it, the more I've started to appreciate the later episodes. I so I think that's understandable that you sort of yeah. draw a line there. Because <laughs> that's about where I would would have drawn a line. Because up, I feel ago. like up until that point, it's very feasible to understand what the what what's going on. And, uh, yes. You know, you know, yeah. And it's very... Um, not necessarily easy to understand, but I had a grip. So, I, you know, I was, I was on it. I knew what was happening. I knew where all the characters were, who they were, what the fuck was going on. Um, and then, then you, you drop past that moment and then it starts to just have these huge bits of massively important information and explanation for these concepts that are huge and very, very hard to understand. The explanation for them is crammed into one sentence, one throwaway sentence, or it's just not yeah. explained at all. That's where it really lost me. <laughs> it was quite funny rewatching it this time because I was sort of I was watching and I and hear a throwaway line and be like, oh, oh, that's that. So that's what he mentioned it. Yeah. No, I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, like later on when like... they 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 also they start mentioning things. Um, for example, the human instrumentality, and um. So I mean, on top of the series, there's the film End of Evangelion, which um, yeah. without I would not have had a fucking clue what was going on. Uh, no, because and with you still don't have a clue what's going well, on. <laughs> yeah, but they do this thing where they they they're like, oh yes, the Human Instrumentality Project. It's blah 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 blah, and you're like, uh, what? Sorry, <laughs> it is what? And then like at the end of episode twenty six, they're like, oh, and that's Human Instrumentality, folks. Da -da 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 -da. And then it's just that's it, and it's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Yeah, um, and I mean, luckily you explained what the fuck was going on somewhat. Yeah, <laughs> which I just got from the wiki at some point. Yeah, like especially like I think it's episode twenty-five specifically. So, on the in the first half of it, it ends with Gender being like, "Ah, oh, Ray, let's let's go do something," and then it cuts to adverts. And we come back, and Jindy's like, "I feel really weird." And then someone's like, "Yeah, that's that'll be human instrumentality." And like, <laughs> yes. oh, that's happened, it? compared to in the film where the instrumentality process is like a massive thing that happens, yeah. like, a giant chunk of fucking like existential like horror. Yeah, because the entire human race is just liquefied, and then the animates in an ad break. It's <laughs> just, it, yeah, I'm. We we oh. discussed this when we when I watched it was um like why do we think this was happening? Um, I was you know I reckon they must have run out of money 
Yeah, so it's interesting because oh, we should explain why for those who haven't watched it. Basically, the last two episodes take place entirely within Shinji's head, um, and they start to reuse a lot of old animation. Um, there's a lot of yeah. re- repetition and you know sketches. Yeah, like sketches. Uh, also, yeah, and in twenty six, it they drop all the color it goes to literally just to line drawings yeah flashes of text on screen um and you know there's no like well there is some proper animation but it's much much more um there's much sorry much less of it than there is in the previous 24 episodes (laughs) yeah so my my potentially flawed understanding of it is the show was written i think more or less week by week so as they went along um the 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 common understanding is that it ran out of money apparently that has been refuted but again i i feel like that must be it because you can see um so at the end of each episode after the credits there is a preview of like next week on evangelion and i checked and the the preview for 24 sorry the preview at the end of 24 for episode 25 Shows animation from End of Evangelion. It shows um, Unit okay. Two fighting the mass production neighbors, but it's in it's in the early sketches, and so they haven't even finished animating it yet. Okay. So they the the content of End of Evangelion, I'm sure, must have been planned to be in the series, and then yeah, they just they couldn't do that big action yeah. climax, the money they had left, and had to just sort of summarize the sort of the instrumentality bit. But it's interesting because, like, so the, the anime came out and all the audience were like, what? That's not a proper ending. We want a proper ending. And Anno then went and made End of Evangelion quite begrudgingly. Mm. But sort of with, with the idea of, like, oh, fine, I'll make this big action climax you wanted. Like, well, it seems like you were already making it. Yeah. So, but, yeah, that's that's my limited understanding of it. How much of that is completely true and how much is speculation? So I, I, I don't know. feel like I could have... Uh, instead of watching episode 25 and 26, I could have just watched the film and would have been completely fine, you know, probably better off than having watched the episodes. I think the episodes are still important. My The problem is, there's no good way to watch them at the moment. Until now, <laughs> or in two weeks' time. Because I'm working on a fan edit. I'm, I'm oh, right, nice. yes. I see. Um... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. but I mean, that's, yeah, there, there is there is content in episodes twenty five and twenty six that's worth watching, mm. which doesn't really get recapped in the film at all. Um, like for example, so in the first half of the film, Shinji's basically in a, like a near comatose state for most of it, like just like locked in his head, sort of just mumbling and being dragged around. And like episode yeah. twenty five, the first half of it, is showing what's going on in his head, which yeah. I think is quite crucial information. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. if only some mad genius could cross cut between what's going on in Shinji's head in oh, episode 25 yeah. and the real world events at the end of Evangelion. But which handsome bearded maverick would be able to do that with a debut premiere? Oh, it's <laughs> definitely this Nick. This paint Nick on screen. Yeah, good old paint Nick and his giant eye tumor. <laughs> yes, I would like to call him better Nick. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh. Um, so is there a point to Evangelion talk? I feel like we need some kind of... Um, right. Is this a review? Is this? A... <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, let's review. It is very complex. Um, yeah. The 
actual mech action, if you're into that, is especially early on is is great. Uh, yes, there are some excellent, really really tense, like amazing, like battle scenes. Um, the moral compass of this all the characters are very very skewed and um it also happens to feature and i kid you not my least favorite character of anything ever in all fiction in all fiction um and she is supposed so... to be the good guy <laughs> Oh my god. I can't got through the entirety of End of Evangelion and still have no sympathy for her whatsoever. No, she's a she's the worst. She is the worst. She oh gets mind by a cosmic monstrosity into a comatose state. Uh, and then she's gets the worst. While she can feel it. The by these worst. <laughs> she's a child. I don't care. She probably has bipolar disorder. Oh, Massive trauma. Childhood, and you know, I could... do you know who else had a traumatic childhood? Everyone in this show, yes. <laughs> do you know what everyone else <laughs> in this show isn't? A massive wanker. <laughs> well, I mean, they are, but less of a well, wanker than there is a massive wanker, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> oh, she's such a dick. Well, the thing is with with uh, Ava in total, because it was started, it was commissioned to be just another mech anime, but Anno was basically sick of them and decided to make one that would essentially criticize and sort of satirize the sort of the genre. So I think a lot of these elements are supposed to be jabs at like the standard anime conventions. You know, normally there's like, oh, firstly, one thing, all the animes have like, ah, oh, shy male protagonists and all the hunky girls you can choose from. Hunky. Over, over one- <laughs> Like so, for example, it's like oh, in anime, you have like you know the the shy, quiet girl. It's like okay, well here's Ray, who's like a literal clone with half the personality of a human because she's not really a real human. She's a vessel for a god. Um, fetishize all you also, want. Also, is she idiot. technically his mum? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's um oh fuck, she's a clone. Of Yui, but she's also the vessel of Lilith, and I don't know how that works. I think we may as well be speaking literal Japanese to people who yeah. have no, seen on. this so, show. No, I've got this. I've got this. She's she's a clone of Lilith, but Lilith is Lilith is one right. of two primordial Lilith... gods. Lilith, yeah, Lilith Just and Adam are two sent down to Earth. No. Adam was supposed to come to Earth, but Lilith fucking beat him to it, and that wasn't supposed to happen. So Adam basically sacrificed himself with the spear of Longinus because Lilith's spear disappeared somehow. So human life regenerated from her while Adam sat in hibernation in Antarctica. And then Katsuragi Expedition awakens Adam because they're idiots. And then second impact. I'm not going to try and explain this because we might be here forever. <laughs> yep. Back to my point. Um... But then, so there's there's a thing in uh, Japanese anime. There's the um, uh, Sunder, or it's you know the the the, the girl la- uh, love interest who's sort of like really bitchy, but secretly deep down like oh she just wants the the main character. So it's mm. Asuka, an absolute cow who she is the worst character, but is also 
a pretty terrible human being at various points. And, oh, looks like her massive behavioral problems and mood swings are actually because of deep-rooted trauma, not because she's quirky. Yep. And so on, uh, to save some time. But I think that's a big element of it, is it's like, it's it's taking these sort of conventions of anime and actually being like, okay, well, this, yeah. what if this person really existed? How awful would they be, and why would they be like that? Oh, answers trauma. Yeah. I, I do like that element of it. I, I do like the sort of subversion of that. And I think it's an interesting sort of criticism of fiction in general. Um, yeah. sort of the way characters are. I can... I mean, I understand, like, why. It's just, just she's the fucking worst. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. She's pretty terrible. I'm surprised she's got quite the vicious reaction you've given her. <laughs> I just don't like, well, as well, the fan reaction to her. Like, there's uh, people are like... And I, it's, yeah. it's fucking simpy weebs. Oh, no, we can't say that on yeah. Twitch. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, there goes Sydney Rambles. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's not banned till the 22nd, so you can say it as many times as you want. Oh, good. Um, but it's funny that, yeah, like the, the, the waifu walls subculture on Evangelion yeah, is one of the great it's... missing of the points of like, almost any yeah. work of fiction. <laughs> it's also the people who idolize Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Yeah. But I just don't understand why people like her. She isn't likable at all. She has literally not a single likable aspect. So I her. used to like her more. I've li- I, I, my opinion has changed a lot more on this watch for it. I wonder if it is something to do with a dub. Because some people be. somehow more tolerable. But I don't right. know. I don't know. Um, I recommend it. Just to wrap things up. Evangelion. Yeah, sure. I recommend it. It's not really like any other anime I've seen, but I mean, I mean, it is and it isn't because it's this sort of satirical, but also mental. Um, It's very, very questionable at points, uh, but it is good. And and I think overall it is, it's just, it's an experience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what I would describe it The thing is, even if you hate it or love it or whatever, there's very little that's like it, so I think it's worth experiencing just to see what you can do with animation, yeah. to be honest. Because End of Evangelion is like one of the defining examples for me of pure animation. Yeah. Like, they achieve in that film. Um, and like the use of live action as well. Yes, that that is particularly amazing. There is some yeah. very, very, very good animation. Well, they're, they're using it to explore such vast concepts concepts you you know fourth dimensional concepts in some way you know beyond exactly. human understanding um and using animation to try and sort of squeeze that into a way that we can understand uh it's just yeah. it's it's very interesting that's why you know i always say you can anything can be animated this is what i mean by anything literally anything even at, like completely conceptual ideas can be animated you yeah. can't be live action, really. Yeah. Not easily, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a brief review, I guess. Yeah. Was that a review? I, mean, I, I was just really yelling at Evangelion. Yeah, just a bit of a ramble. A Cine ramble. A Cine ramble. CineRambles.gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> Go there now. Now you've, now you've got the um, rebuilds to work for as well. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy to leave my Evangelion experience where it is. Yeah, I mean the rebuilds are they're all right, but I wouldn't say they're essential. Um, I think 
I mean, two, one, one's almost skippable because it's basically just the series again. Two is worth a watch. Three is where things get weird and okay. bad weird. But, bad um, that's the least yeah. good weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see your reaction to them. But, um, yeah, I, you, you're not missing a huge amount by skipping them, to be fair. Okay. Um, okay, I mean, that's that's all we've got time yeah. for. We've gone over by a bit, not... but that's fine. Um, oh, well, it's fine. No one's watching. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> oh, three viewers. Woo. Yeah, well, one of them's me. One of them's you. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think Georgia's what she does says. Hi, Georgia. Um, Hello, Georgia. So she didn't even want to be back getting with you, did she? No, she, she didn't. doesn't know what's going on. No, she did not. Uh, well, anyway, we'll uh, see you in a couple of weeks' time, then I guess. Yeah. Um. So you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/cityrambles/official, and on Twitter at cityrambles. Done the email already. Uh, blog say again, cityrambles. Say, say, the, oh, say the fucking email, Luke. Email is cityrambles@gmail.com. Uh, and the blog is cinerambles.blogspot.com. Um, nothing coming out for a little bit. There will be a tenant review I've mentioned, but that might not be for a couple of months yet. I've got other projects planned. Um, not on the blog. But yeah, uh, <coughs> fan edits. And yeah, uh, catch us in two weeks' time here on possibly Wednesday, possibly Thursday. Who knows? Possibly Friday. Possibly Saturday. <laughs> possibly <laughs> never <schedule>? again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Goodbye.